for our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. Hello, guess what? It's your favourite time of the week. We are back. It's Sarah here. Hello, we've got Cheryl and Dr Kimberly Earl. Hello to both of you. Hello. Hello. We've got a lot coming on. Tell us, Kimberly, what are we chatting about later today? So if dogs and cats aren't for you, but you don't want to miss out on the animal companionship possibilities in your life, we're going to talk about some unusual pets that people might have. Oh, goody. I love unusual pets. <laughs> and Cheryl, what are we discussing today? Some statistics on who is man's best friend. I can answer that, but I'll get in trouble because I'll think I, I favour them. Ah. <laughs> I, I can feel a debate coming on. Absolutely. Oh, this will be good. From Metford on the line, you've got a problem with your dog. I certainly do. What can we help with? Well, it's a little cavalier king child, a little three-year-old female. Yep. And she just consistently scratches. Oh, okay. Like, and she, she sleeps upstairs with us, and when she goes down on the floorboards, she wakes us up with a knocking and mm. consistently scratching. Now, I've been told I might be feeding her the wrong food. Okay. Have you, Not real sure. Yeah, so listen, Cavalier King Charles Spaniels are definitely predisposed to a lot of allergic skin disease conditions. We see it really, really commonly. There can be a number of different allergens causing problems. Food is one of them, but it's certainly not the most common one. Um, fleas is really common, so not necessarily that she has fleas, but that she has an allergy to fleas. That is a different thing. So that means that a single flea bite can set, in, set off an allergic reaction that might last for two to three weeks. So um, I would always say she needs a workup by your vet because there may be secondary infections that are causing itchiness on top of the allergic skin disease we need to sort of make sure that she hasn't got any of that that she's on a really good systemic flea control product um, and then doing things like food trials it's not really just a matter of swapping a bag of food we really need to have a discussion about uh, what kind of food um, most of our allergies in dogs when it's relating to food is to do with the protein so we have to find either a hydrolyzed protein diet or we have to find a novel protein source so it's a little bit complicated and definitely worthwhile yep. having a good discussion with your vet it is very common with cavaliers so um, and you know typically the signs of allergies will come up somewhere between two and five years of age so she fits right into that it is a yep. disease that we manage rather than cure in most cases so um, you know it's worthwhile going to your vet having a discussion keeping an open mind we may need to try a number of different things to get her controlled but there are some really good um, prescription products and things available these days as well as you know uh, referral to dermatologists things like that that can make these guys really comfortable and that's really the the end goal is to make sure that they're comfortable and she can have a good quality of life and that you guys get to have a good sleep because she's not waking you up in the night Fantastic. Okay. I'm just like, it just helps me sleep better at night knowing that I'm not feeding the wrong food. No, that's no, right. I will take up the vet and get a check out in the next couple of days. Sounds Thank you. good. Thank you. Oh, sounds like he loves his dog. It's so good to hear. We are taking your calls on 49216216. Now, Cheryl, we're looking at who's man's best friend. Isn't that obvious? Well, <laughs> for you, yes. <laughs> Yes, but I do have a bias to dogs, mm, let's be do. honest. But no, it's obviously not for everyone. No, but you know what? In Australia, two-thirds of Australian households actually have a pet. Not necessarily a cat or a dog, but they all are having pets to help them. Help them with their socialising, their mental health, as well as their own well-being. Companionship, all of these things go into owning a pet. And what you pick obviously depends on what your preference is but an interesting thing is happening there's a really big increase in males owning cats 
Is there? I wouldn't have picked that, actually. Mm. I think a lot to do with the way we are living now. There's more apartment dwelling, more units, things like this. Yeah. But there's a real increase in males owning these cats. Now, in Australia, the statistics are that 1.3 million women own cats, but 1 million men own cats, and that's on the increase. They're catching up, yeah. Mm. And I think it is interesting because we used to say, you know, the cliche, the crazy cat lady. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to change that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We are. Because we'll have to change it to something like crazy cat people because that cliche will then be politically and gender correct. Mm. Even things like The Simpsons. You know, The Simpsons has a character in it that is the crazy cat lady. Mm. Is, is that Mar- one of Marge's sisters? I can't even remember. Yeah, that one. she was a doctor and a lawyer, but oh. she's the crazy cat lady okay. as well. She throws cats around. So, you know, when we look at it, we do, we do refer to women owning cats yes, and multiple cats. Mm. But yep. apparently the increase is for men loving cats. My own son recently bought a house and moved out. He took our cat. <laughs> so, you know, these things are cat happening. Cat okay. yeah. But another interesting thing is that there's cat cafes popping up all over the place. And I don't know if you've heard of them, but no. in Sydney, you can go into these cat cafes and you can pat cats. So they keep cats there for you to go in and pat cuddle, hug. Mm. You don't buy them. You can't own them. It's like a them. rent-a-cat for, yeah. for the period of your yeah. lunch. You okay. can even have a, capa- a catachino Catuccino. there. Catachino. <laughs> That's hilarious. They have done studies showing that um, patting a cat or a dog, sitting calmly patting a cat or a dog, actually can lower heart rate and blood pressure. It is it is a validated, known thing that it can be good for people with high blood pressure and anxiety and when things like that. When you think like about that. it, mm. it's quite therapeutic, therapeutic just to yeah. sit and just that yeah. stroking motion. It's quite a calming sort mm-hmm. of motion. Yeah. Yeah. For the pet and yourself, obviously. Yeah. So, so I just think that this cat ownership thing is really interesting. That um, that there's, there is this big increase. Um, in cat ownership. I wouldn't mind volunteering myself for one of these cafes. I know I'm not a cat, but I just love having my, my hair brushed. <laughs> I would love to go sit in there and someone could come and just brush it if they need to lower their blood pressure. The lower mine, I think that'd yeah. be fabulous. Well, not everybody can have a pet, so these sort of centres are quite good for those people who mm. want to have some contact but, um, you know, want to do it not in, in a shelter type situation. Is there any situation. in Newcastle? <laughs> not at this stage. I know there's one mm. in Coffs Harbour and there's one, um, or there's two in Sydney. I wonder how that mm. ties in with um, food, health and safety. That would be interesting as well. Mm. They've obviously got it figured out though, something. don't they? Yeah, they yeah. 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 Okay, Cheryl, so you're saying that, you know, possibly cats are the way to go for, <laughs> yeah, for people and particularly men are on the increase. Yeah, and that, you know, man's best friend may become not the dog like we all think, but maybe the cat. Mm, there you mm. go. Interesting stuff. What do you think? 49216216. We are taking your calls as well. If you've got any questions for our Dr. Kimberly Earl, we're going to look at our pet of the week a little bit later on. And then, Kimberly, today we're looking at unusual. Unusual, cat, uh, unusual cats, unusual mm. pets. We are, yeah. So um, Cheryl's even got some statistics here that I've been eyeing off about uh, pet ownership in terms of other species, birds and fish and things like that. So we'll have a bit of a chat about that. Cheryl, before we move on and have a look at unusual pets, you were talking before about uh, the number of increasing men that are owning cats. Yes. And it was quite astounding. It's now a million men right. compared to 1.3 million females and they're on the, the increase. So it's really interesting, but you've just told me a stat while that song was on that has me in stitches. You can actually narrow it down to the occupation of men that are the predominant cat owners. And what is that? IT. (laughs) So men in IT are more likely to own cats. That's it. I'm laughing because I can picture our uh, IT person, Graham Wilson, who's on holiday so he can't hear me. I can imagine him... (laughs) 
having a cat and you know doing his IT work when the cat sitting beside him and him just stroking it yeah. or on his lap as he's you know keying away yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is really interesting isn't it so it's not the the blokey blokes that are out you know with the with the trucks or out doing the the landscaping no. it's not so much them that have the cats it's the yeah. IT there you go. Learn something every day. Now, Dr. Kimberly Earl, we're looking at unusual pets today. Yeah, so um, unusual pets is really, we, we define an unusual pet as really anything that's not, you know, a cat or a dog. And we're talking here primarily of small companion pets. Um, so in my practice, we see quite a lot of unusual pets. We see rabbits, we see guinea pigs, lots of birds. Uh, we see reptiles, snakes, lizards, those sorts of things. Occasionally fish, um, some of the amphibians like uh, uh, axolotls and, and frogs. And so people bring them in when they're sick. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, they do. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of benefits to having an unusual pet. They are often a smaller-sized pet. There's not too, and if you get a Flemish giant rabbit, and that's a pretty big rabbit, but, yeah. uh, you need a lot of space for them. But a lot of times our exotic pets or unusual pets um, take up a lot less space. Um, so, you know, like you were saying, Cheryl, about apartment living, um, it's much more feasible to have a small rabbit in an apartment than it would be to have a big dog. Um, a lot of people feel that they're um, quieter, and with the exception of birds, that is certainly true. So if you're worried about barking dogs, upsetting neighbours and things like that, um, most of our unusual pets don't make a lot of noise. Now, birds would definitely be the exception to that. We can get some very noisy birds, and you need to be um, prepared for that. Um, but it's a real trend that we're starting to see people looking, sometimes just people looking for something different they want mm. to have a different interaction with their with their animal they don't not interested in walking them you know at the beach and things um they really just want to go out and and or be, be at home and, and have something to play with and cuddle i mm. always worry that they're so much harder to look mm. after though yeah well see here's the problem so the downside yeah the downside to unusual pets is that um you know pretty much everybody has a decent idea of what to do to take care of a dog or a cat now there are definitely exceptions to that and, and there's lots of people who could be doing that better um but with our unusual pets, we see certainly a lot of problems that are related to inappropriate husbandry. And the biggest issue that we find is that people get their information about how to look after their unusual pet from a pet shop or from the internet. Um, although in a lot of cases the internet's going to have much better information if you're if you're careful about what you're looking at, um, pet shops can be very challenging in terms of they see the products that they have on the shelf. They assume that the pet industry market has put out the appropriate products, but in a lot of cases that is not true. And a lot of times okay. you have very young people working in pet shops, so um, the information sort of gets passed down from one employee to the next. But in a lot of cases it can be quite inappropriate. Um, so that is the con of having you know the downside to having an unusual pet is that um, the majority of illness problems that I see in my practice day to day with unusual and exotic pets is because somebody's not got the husbandry right. They've not been informed right. properly and we can prevent the majority of problems by making sure that the husbandry is correct. So what sort of guys. pets are we talking about in this case? Thank so you, it's everything from rabbits. So rabbits is a really big one. Um, very common for families to get themselves a rabbit. They're going to give it, you know, have a pet for the kids. They're mm -hmm. a nice small size. Nobody's going to get bit by the rabbit and they go to the pet shop the pet shop says here here's this lovely muesli mix you can give them this and you can give them a little bit of grass if you want to but a little bit of hay if they want to but they don't really like it they just like this stuff what we find is six or eight weeks down the track or sometimes it's a bit longer than that 
We have a rabbit who um, hasn't been chewing properly. They they aren't given enough roughage, so their che- teeth are overgrowing. Now we have major dental oh, problems. Okay. They have gut stasis issues because they have never had enough long stem fiber, so they don't have the right bacterial populations in the gut. They're overweight. They're developing bladder stones, those sorts of things. So right. diet in, in rabbits is really important. Um, diets in birds is very important as well um, because it got a lot of people, everybody, um, you know, thinks that, well, what do birds eat? If I ask people, what do birds eat? The answer is bird food, bird seed. Yeah. Um, but actually bird seed is pretty rubbish for birds and it actually oh, causes a lot of problems. So if right. you can imagine um, feeding your children potato chips, they get nothing but potato chips all day long, plenty of calories to keep them going. But think of the nutritional deficiencies yeah. they're going to have. Yes, and that's, that's exactly right. what we're dealing with right. when we're looking so at bird seed. Um, I just assumed that that was it. You, just, you, you buy the bird exactly seed what and that's everybody what you feed does. Them. And so you go into a pet shop, and in a lot of cases, the pet shops will actually have a nice, good quality formulated pelleted diet. But feeding birds a pelleted diet is not like changing dog food brands. You can't just put it in front of them and go, here you go, here's some food. Um, and so it all gets put into that too hard basket because the pet shops don't know how to properly inform you of how to get your bird onto that pellet. Um, so it can be really, really challenging. Okay. With reptiles, we see a lot of problems with um, temperature control. So particularly in Australia, where we have a lot of... Um, we have native reptiles and most of the, mm-hmm. all the reptiles you're allowed to keep are native. And extreme temperatures That's too from right. one to the other. So we get people who bring in um, diamond pythons. They've had them as pets. Diamond pythons are native to this area and people sort of go, oh, well, it's winter. I'll just turn off the heat on my enclosure because the wild diamond pythons, they're not getting any heat. Um, the difficulty is that a wild diamond python has the option to go and bury down into mm. into the dirt, into the fermenting leaf litter where there's warmth being generated. And an in-home diamond python with no heat is usually sitting on a um, in a glass tank that yeah. probably has a layer of newspaper or maybe a layer of sand. Um, it's not getting any external source. And so its air temperature, temperature is what its body is doing. And so, um, you know, we've just come through um, winter um, and it, as happens every year, we're starting to see all the snakes and lizards that have respiratory problems because they've been uh, oh, incubating really? bacterial right. infections throughout the course of the winter. And now as they start to warm up, it starts to cause them problems. Um, so UV light for lizards is a really important one. Um, most pet shops are really good. They'll say your lizard needs to have a UV light, but they don't necessarily go into the fact that those UV lights need to be changed at minimum every four months and sometimes more often than that. And we certainly need to be providing um, unfiltered sunlight to a certain degree to, to a lot of our reptiles as well. Kimberly, do we need a license now to own these snakes and lizards? Snakes and though? lizards, you absolutely need to have a reptile keeper's license at the moment, yeah. Um, but Are they like, easy to obtain yeah they're not too bad yeah okay um in fact they're probably a bit too easy if you look at the range of um reptiles that we have in australia that you can keep as pets um the requirements for a um a diamond python is very different to what it is for a bearded dragon but the the licenses don't really um differentiate between the two um and there isn't sort of a recommendation for, you know, make sure you know the requirements of that species that you're getting. It should be a test that you have yeah, to Yeah, no, it's not, it's, not that, it's okay. not that in depth. And certainly there's no licensing for, um, you know, rabbits or guinea pigs or, you know, those sorts of things. Mm. There are some requirements for licensing for some native birds, but, um, again, it's not really... I don't think it's very well policed as yeah. well. So, yeah, interesting. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, I think I, I'm, a, I'm an exotics vet or unusual vet. Um, I love them. I think they make fantastic pets, but I think I'd really um, encourage people to speak to a veterinarian and, and ideally a, a vet who sees unusual and exotic pets um, before you get your pet or certainly shortly after you get your pet so you can set them up really well. 
Um, and I always wanted you know people to be very cautious about getting pets for children. Um, you can you can have it for the child in name, but really, particularly with our unusual pets, you often don't see the signs of illness until they're very unwell. Mm. And if parents aren't keeping their eyes out and checking them, you know, at least every day or second day um, to make sure that things aren't going wrong, then oftentimes the the you know nearly comatose bunny that gets to me who could have been saved if I'd seen it. Five or seven days prior wow, okay. may not be savable. <sighs> Last question, because you got me worried now. Yeah. Um, because I have acquired uh, Pongo and Dingo, the two goldfish. Yeah. Is it okay to feed them fish flakes? Because I've just brought <laughs> fish food and I'm just feeding them that. Is that? Yeah, listen, for, I... for most, for most um, you know, goldfish and most sort of tropical fish, feeding them an appropriate brand of a fish flake is, um, is okay. Some of our Phew. other, some of our other more um, uh, exotic-y sort of fish like um, cichlids or marine fish, they have more uh, specific requirements. So um, sometimes live feeding and even your goldfish would, would appreciate having some frozen food from time to time. Oh, really? Um, yeah, you can get little frozen cubes of um, brine shrimp or bloodworms oh, or different things like that, and they'll like them. them. But okay. they, you know, they also do quite well on their regular fish flakes. But keeping in mind, we don't want to let them get overweight because we get a lot of obese fish and things that can have problems well, as well. Well, they say to feed them two times a day, but I think that's I've only been yeah, feeding them once. I would feed them once a day for about you know they usually sort of say, well, it's been a long time since I've had fish, but I always fed them the amount of food that they can fully consume within a two-minute period of time. Yeah. So if you're putting a big thing on the top of the water and it's all floating down to the bottom, that's too much yeah, food for your sure. fishy friends. Now, I've got one for you, Kimberly. On okay. behalf of Marg, she wants to know she has a 16-week-old kitten who likes to bite, and when he does, he bites pretty hard. Now, she says she knows that he's teething, but he's done this since she picked him up eight weeks ago. Do you think when he is to sex that it will calm down? He mainly does it when you ignore him or if you're trying to do something else. It's mm, a tricky one, isn't Ooh. it? So, listen, a 16-week-old kitten is really at the time where he's probably just starting to change out his kitten teeth for his adult teeth. So usually they start there around 16 to 18 weeks of age and it'll take about four to six weeks to be complete. Um, but like she said, it happens right from the from the beginning. So um, there are kittens there are that can be more feisty than others. You get some that are really chilled out, calm and relaxed and you get others that are a lot more reactive. Mm. Desexing can help to a certain degree in some cases more than desexing probably just a bit of age on him but it sounds like this kitten's really becoming um potentially a bit of a problem because cat bites particularly oh, as they get older not only do they hurt but they can be quite dangerous the bacteria, bacteria. that cats have in their mouth can cause yeah. pretty serious infections in humans so we always want to be very cautious about um you know teaching our kittens that biting is not acceptable um so a few things that I would recommend for Marge. So first of all would be um, to try to handle the cat calmly always. And that can be really challenging because a lot of kittens, you know, they'll sort of be sleeping and then they get up and they tear around the house like mad little hoogans. And I used to live with a kitten or a cat once when I was a teenager who... Um, you know, when he was up and running around, he'd run around the house, do mad circles, and then he'd come running up your leg and sit right up on your shoulder. And before you even knew it, he was he was sort of right there beside you. So trying to always be calm around the kitten, you can give them time outs. Um, trying to make sure he's got plenty of toys. I mean, cats really are hunting creatures, so he needs to have, he's probably trying to take out that hunting instinct on someone, so he needs to have um, really interactive play where he gets to fulfill some of those hunting instincts. So often um, toys on the ends of ropes and things are quite good, okay. throwing balls, those sorts of things. Always being careful. Um, I would never leave a, a, a toy with a string on it with a cat mm. unsupervised. Yeah, sure. Um, 
because they can get they can get string foreign bodies in the gastrointestinal tract but making sure that he's getting a lot of good interaction it might just be a cry for him that he's you know he's really seeking human attention and behavior um trying to just you know keep your hands away from the mouth and 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 arms away from the mouth and and um you, know, you can certainly we don't reprimand them we don't punish them but you can certainly give them a good no i was going to say a, a so nice when they loud, bite no, it's a, okay. and move away and and um you know try to time him out if he's really up you know really excited and, and how do you time out a cat time. you just put it in a put it in a separate room. space yeah okay. separate in space on his own doesn't have to be for very long just give him the opportunity to sort of settle down and hopefully he comes back out feeling a little bit more settled some cats will be doing that because there is a level of anxiety and we don't really know where marg's cat has come from whether it's a rescue kitten whether it's a breeder kitten um you know whether it's semi-feral even sometimes that happens so um speaking to a, um, a pet health professional vet something like that about using some fell away spray can be really helpful um these are pheromone therapy sort of sprays that can be helpful to reduce some um, anxiety in some of these little guys definitely desexing is worthwhile but it's not it's not really going to be a game changer. It's not going to change the behaviour of that. And pet. this is the crucial time, I guess, where you're trying to instill the behaviour yeah. into the kittens. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. critical socialisation period right around now. So making sure that we're we are taking time to interact one on one with that kitten and and burn off some energy. I mean, they're they're a bit like puppies at that age. They're sort of past the mm. I sleep all the time age and and into the activity age. And too. good advice about being calm around them. When I had mm. Walker, um, when she was a kitten, I used to play tips with her. Like, you know, yeah. she would jump out at you and it'd be hilarious. Yeah. Not, except as she got older and you'd go to the it's toilet at three anymore. in the morning yeah. and you've got this thing like an alien launching at you. Yeah. Not funny. So, so I would, I I would always that. discourage people from wrestling, using their mm. hands to wrestle with their kittens. Yes. Use a toy, be a back away from the kitten so that you're not putting your hand and trying to rub their belly and things like that. Yeah, yeah. sure. All right. Yeah. 49216216. Pia from Anna Bay, you've got a question about an ear infection in a dog. Yes. Hi, what can I help with? Hi, I've got a um, Spoodle, he's 15 months old, mm -hmm. and he repeatedly gets ear infections. I know it could be part of the breed because I've got those long, floppy ears. Yeah. Um, the vet's given me dermotic ear drops, which I'm putting in every day, and he's also got Pred uh, tablets, which he has to have one every, every other day, mm -hmm. and then it clears up and then it comes back again. And he's also told me to try changing the diet to a science diet mm -hmm. um, food I just wonder what relevance the diet has on an ear infection. Sure. So um, in a lot of cases, ear infections or chronic recurrent ear infections are part of an allergic skin disease overall picture in a dog, okay? Uh, so it may be that your dog's not showing other signs of skin issues. You may not have rashes or anything on the belly or the feet, but it may be part of that. And in a lot of cases in a young dog, if we're seeing recurrent ear infections, um, we would, you know, sort of assume or, or start looking at underlying causes like an allergic skin problem. So um, changing the diet, depending on whether he's recommended a, um, an actual hypoallergenic food trial, which is certainly something that I frequently recommend, or sometimes they're just recommending a diet to a, um, a more skin-friendly diet. They often have sort of increased amounts of um, omega fatty acids, those sorts of things. It can certainly be beneficial in this case where you've got recurrent chronic ear infections. So um, making sure also that you're really, really diligent about finishing out your courses and going back to have those rechecks done because there's nothing worse than getting the problem 95% better, stopping treatment a little bit too early and the whole thing just comes back again. Because they always come back, don't they? They can, it can yeah. be really difficult. Yeah. All right, some good advice. And we've got Sylvia from Bonnells Bay. Now, you've got a cat problem. Oh, Sylvia, can you turn your radio down, please? I've turned it off. 
Okay. What's your problem, Sylvia? I have a, a Berman, 11 years old, mm-hmm. uh, that I've only had for two months. Okay. I've sort of rescued her sure. from an old couple that couldn't cope anymore. Okay. And she's got the most... I've had cats and dogs all my life, and I've never seen anything like what she does. When she gets up, when she's been sleeping or just sitting... She puts one leg after the other behind her and gives a big nice stretch. Yeah. But when she stretches, she shakes like mad. She shakes her body or her? No, the leg. Oh, okay. And uh, the hind legs. Yeah. And yesterday when she was eating the nibbles, I noticed she was doing it very badly and put her foot down. Okay. So, I mean, there's a few different things that could be going on. It's obviously a bit hard because she's a new cat to you, but she is an older cat. Um, It may just be her. It may be that there's some arthritis underlying that, and so as she's stretching, she's getting a bit of the shakes and a bit of, you know, sort of stiffness, soreness. It could be that we're dealing with something like a focal seizure. So, you know, it's definitely a case that probably requires somebody to have a good look at her, and, um, you know, you may want to just get some baseline blood work done and things like that. But I think having a vet have a look at her, if you can, try to videotape the... Um, the episodes oh, and take idea. on your phone, take them into your vet if, if she's not doing it regularly enough that you think he'll see it or he or she will see it. So probably worthwhile getting her checked out. She's new to you and we don't really know what's normal for her yet or not. Thank you very much, Sylvia. And thank you, Cheryl Shaw. <laughs> and thank you, Dr. Kimberly Earl. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate you both coming in. That's just about time today. Look, our dog of the week, you can check her out. You can do that by going to 2NURFM.com, clicking on more and dog of the week. And we're introducing Tiger Lily. Now, we spoke about her a few weeks ago, but we do have um, a video now. She's oh. still up for adoption. She is a 10-month-old female German Shepherd mix. So she's still a puppy, so she does have energy to burn. So nice. you need to be yep. able to, I guess, walk her and get out quite a lot in, in exercise. Yeah. But apparently she's just a beautiful temperament um, and the video of her is gorgeous as well. <laughs> so if you get a chance, jump on and check it out. We'll be back same time next week. Have a lovely week until then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.